The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. Welcome to the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, offering insights, wisdom, and counsel from the most respected CEOs. Here is the host of the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman with the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. Today's guest is my dear friend, Barney McCauley, who is the managing director with Edge Realty Partners. Uh, Barney, how are you, sir? I'm great, John. It's so good to be speaking to you on this morning. Well, I appreciate it, my friend. We um, uh, got a lot to talk about today, you know, kind of into the new year, some big stuff coming up. Uh, you were just recently at a really big uh, real estate conference down in Miami. And, you know, from that, your own perspective, I kind of want to just quickly sort of get into what's your take on 2023 and what 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 do you really expect in 2024? The conference I attended was the commercial real estate financial conference. It's uh, made up of lenders mostly and vendors that serve those lenders. It was the most well-attended of these conferences that I've ever been to, and I've been going to them for many years. Um, what's going on is because of interest rate increase and the change, the social change that COVID produced and so many people are working from home, there's a real anticipation that there'll be a lot of foreclosures on office buildings in 2024. And so all the lenders were there to get insight on how to deal with these foreclosures and forecasts on the economy. And then all their attorneys, real estate brokers, environmental consultants were there to build on their relationships with these lenders. It was a well-run conference and it had a, a <clears throat> very well attended by a good group of folks. The takeaways from this conference were that the uh, there will be some very substantial losses in the office sector of the market. That the um, the processes to handle these foreclosures are in place, and they don't feel any big structural changes or damages to our banking system, and that um, they feel like it's going to be a couple years to this process works out. The other takeaway was that industrial and office, industrial office and apartments have been really affected by this increase in interest rates, but that retail is in better shape than it has been in many years, and there were there's actually new loans on malls. Interesting. That's really One of the most entertaining and informative speeches was given by Shaquille O'Neal. And I recommend <laughs> anybody listening to your podcast, if they have an opportunity to hear him speak, it is uh, worthwhile. Uh, well, when I think of real estate experts in finance, I, th I think about Shaq. Um, so that makes sense. Um, let me go back. First off, Barney, very interesting, first off, for you to say that how well attended the conference was, right? So that, that says something. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I, I'm thinking of that movie that came out, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, There Will Be Blood. And it sounds like in some areas of the industry, there will be blood. There, there is going to be some, some bad news coming out because there are some pressures out there. And on the other side, it's it's finally uh, nice to see that retail's in the good boy position and not the bad boy position that it's been in the last few years. Is, did I get it right? Is it accurate? 
You have it 100% correct, John. So the other thing, um, Macy's just announced um, laying off a bunch of people, closing a bunch of stores. And, you know, if that news had come out 10 years ago, it'd be huge. It'd be like a big deal. I don't know. Maybe today it's not that big a deal because people kind of saw this one coming. And then maybe instead it creates opportunities. Uh, Barney, what's your thought on that of uh, Macy's layoffs and, and more store closures for them? How does that, how does that impact retail? Macy's announced three years ago that they were going to close uh, a certain segment of their store portfolio that were not uh, productive. And they were what they're trying to do is get the rational footprint for their stores, what stores work, what stores don't. And so closing five stores of over 800 is just, it's a big deal because it's pressed and things like that, but it's not that big a deal in the scope of Macy's size and Macy's uh, <clears throat> Macy's position in the market. Macy's needs, all these department stores need to have the productive stores, and they're going to need to close certain stores every few years, That and they're going to need to add stores. We a friend of ours is in discussion with Dillard's to build and open a new Dillard store. Wow. So it's right now we're with the department stores. We're kind of at the, particularly with Macy's and Dillard's that we're at the point where they're adding stores and they're dropping stores, which is normal. It yeah. should be, yeah. you know? Um, so it's, it's not, it's big news and it's sad for the people that are going to get laid off but it is not that impactful on the marketplace. You need to remember that these department stores have survived Amazon. They have survived the pandemic. And that's why the investment community are viewing them retail as a good investment. They have made it through these sort of these challenges and they continue to show profit and move forward. Well, Barney, I need to take a quick break, but you know, when I, when you were saying that, what it hit me this the other day, I was walking with my dog and I was thinking right now I'm buying properties, but there'll be a point in time where I'll be probably buying and selling, right? Like that's how it rotates through. That's a natural course of business. And that's what I hear you saying is like, Hey, don't anybody freak out about this. This is a natural course of business of Macy's right sizing. And that's just healthy, good stuff. Nothing, nothing catastrophic there. Um, with you're hundred percent correct. Well, you were. I'm just repeating you. So you're 100% correct. Um, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back here with uh, Barney McCauley. This is John Crossman, and I work with a lot of vendors in the commercial real estate industry. And I got to tell you, one of my favorite ones ever is my friends over at Construction Unlimited, Florida's premier roofing company, and they bridge the craftsmanship with the pinnacle of innovation. They're just one of the best groups because of the trust, the expertise, the quality, and my favorite part, they're really committed to the community. When you're thinking about roofing construction needs, keep Construction Unlimited at the top of your list. At JLL, we are reshaping the future of real estate for a better world. For over 250 years, our firm has remained committed to offering trusted and innovative solutions in commercial real estate leasing, management, investment strategies, and technology. JLL.com. See a brighter way. Here's a call to those who want to make an impact on their company, 
their community, or who possess a desire to make the world a better place. Crossman Career Builders provides the tools and resources for you or your company to make a difference on some of the toughest issues that we all face. Crossman Career Builders partners with CEOs, politicians, and pastors seeking to address problems of racism, mental health, addiction, justice, and suicide. CrossmanCB.com. Once again, here's John Crossman. We are back here at the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition with Barney McCauley. And Barney, I've always uh, looked at you as my go-to mall guy. You know, whenever the malls come across my desk, there's a aspect of them I can handle and help with. But when I think of the guy that really knows the bigger picture, that's you. And when you were talking about um, the office market and some repositioning of um, Macy's, one of the things I want to ask you about is like, is there a play to see more office in malls? And uh, there's a mall in Central Florida that I worked on as a consultant. And I remember this maybe 10 years ago, but we tried really hard to get a 40,000 square foot, uh, was a government use office into the mall. And I thought, golly, this would be perfect as far as creating more activity within it. I, obviously, it's complicated. But what's your thought on that about uh, in the next season of life? Could we see... Uh, office tenants in malls, does that work at all? It does. So what we're all going towards is people want are busier and have less time, and they want to be able to accomplish more things in the time they have. And add to that, the pandemic has made people value their time more because they realize how short it truly is. So having an having office space within a mall or retail complex is very complimentary. People can pick up that, you know, catcher's mitt they need for their son at Dick's at lunch. Saves them a whole trip on a Saturday that when the store is busy. You and I worked together on an outdoor mall in Ocala, Florida, where we had 80,000, we had 500,000 square feet of retail and 80,000 square feet of office. And when we purchased it, the office was mostly vacant, and we put zero value on it. But it ended up, because we filled up the retail, the office became very much in demand. And we were able to make leases with insurance companies and an eye surgery center at $24, $28 a square foot. We had a tech company go in there. So the as the retail filled up, the office became desirable. And that same thing happens with a mall. So office is in trouble, and there's only certain office space that's going to be demanded going forward, and that space is going to have a lot of complementary uses that is going to make it more attractive. Did I answer your question, John? You did. You did. I mean, you know, it's one of those things that's like, it makes sense in my mind. I know it's overly complicated. And let me, let me, I'm going <laughs> to forgive this pivot, and I'm going to come back to the the great, a greater question, and that is uh, one of my all-time favorite uh, broadcasters is Ron Burgundy. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, um, but yeah. in, in, in Anchorman Two, he's talking to his former sports guy Champ, and he's trying to get him out of this terrible restaurant idea he has and bring him back into being in the media. And uh, turns out it's it says he's selling chicken, but it's actually fried bat. And so when Ron Burgundy, you know, is confronting him about that, Champ says, "You know what they call it? Chicken of the cave." And so, you know, Ron Burgundy looks at him and he goes, who's they, you know? And what I like about that line is that a lot of times in society, we say things like they, they should fix that, who's they? 
And I think when people drive by malls, they think, well, they should fix that. They should fix that. I don't know who they mean. But the reality is, is that with a lot of malls, one of the reasons why they're so hard is they have so many owners, right? I mean, isn't that the nucleus of it? It's that if one guy, if you knew one guy or gal that owned a mall and it was all messed up and so you could go see them and say, hey, I'm Barney and let's fix it, that'd be one thing. But most of the time it's, it's a they, it's multiple owners. And isn't that a big part of the challenge? It is a big part of the challenge, but it's not overwhelming. Hmm. What has happened in the last five years is the cities and the and the tenants and the owners of the malls have realized they need to collaborate to be successful. About 180 malls are owned by what we call income buyers, and they buy the malls and they strip all the income out of there, and they do not put any more money back in the malls. They don't fix the roof. They don't fix the parking lot. So they became, these malls then become a big drain on the community. And each community is viewed by the region on how their mall is doing. Unfortunately, people see that little town through the prism of the mall. So when the mall tanks, people decide not to open companies in that community, not to buy a home in that community. It has a bigger effect than just the mall and the mall tax revenue. So because these 180-so malls have been purchased by these groups and they've become basically sinkholes, the cities and the anchors have become much more collaborative in the last five years to work together. So if you have the right group, even though you may have three groups that own some interest in the mall, you can still have a successful readaption of the mall. There's Willow Bend Mall here in the Dallas market, and there's three different owners, and uh, they just got zoning approval from the city of Plano uh, to do a major, to change the use of the mall substantially, office, and so it, it can be done. I was doing a consulting job on a mall and um, the the top person, one top paper with the uh, the city, uh, the, with the mayor's office, wanted a meeting with the mall ownership and uh, myself and them. And so this person flew down and, and suited up, you know, and we have the meeting. And the mayor said, hey, we've heard this rumor you're going to sell the mall. And, you know, we're really trying to be supportive to get you guys to redevelop the mall. Like, what's the deal? And so the guy, and the suit guy, you know, he says, oh, no, we're not selling. And I remember taking him back to the airport and and looked at him and I said, listen, you know, this is my town. These are my people. Please don't make me out to be a liar. I just sat there with you and affirmed you're not selling. And he's like, no, no, we're good. I never saw that guy again. And you guess what, Barney? They sold them all, right? And so when I listened to you, in my mind, I was thinking, gosh, if I was, you know, bought them all or taken over them all as far as leading a team, one of the first things I would do is meet with the local city official and then have a conversation about uh, the local health care, right? Uh, what's the best hospital? Do they need, does there need a hospital needed? Uh, education, uh, community colleges, uh, private colleges, is a college, you're like a law school. Like, and I was just sort of rolling through because when you're talking about malls, you really are talking about almost every category. You could, you could add a great church to a mall. You could add a gym to it. You can add, like, you can make all those things work. But man, you have to have ownership and you have ownership that really it has the trust factor 
with local leaders. Is that correct? Absolutely correct. A friend of ours, John, often says the speed of trust. So if you come to the community and the stakeholders in the community with an honest, open, transparent approach and, you know, all those things you mentioned, medical has been added to, we've added it to our mall. Community colleges, oh, they're a wonderful tenant. They wow. activate a section of the mall. They bring in shoppers. They bring in students that can be employees. Gyms, people don't work out and then think of going to buy shoes or a blouse, but it makes the mall part of their shopping pattern. Right. You know, grocery mm. stores. But you you are so insightful because you mentioned that you, the first meetings with the city. Hey, guys, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. What's important to you here? What does the community value? And we have a friend that uh, has renovated a mall. And he's brought, he's turned the mall around by health care. He has two major hospitals that are now where Sears and Dillard's were. So there's all different ways to do it. And each one offers a unique opportunity. But the city is is the first place to start. You're 100% correct, John. That's really interesting. Barney, we need to wrap up. Um, Any other just final quick word on on what do you think about 2024? I uh, I really believe that 24 will be a better year than 23. I really feel that you, John, will continue to do all the good work you do in the community with HBCUs, continue to expand your scholarship program, you will find that big co-investor in 24 to really make the difference and build on what you've already, the foundation you've already laid. So I think 24 is going to be a good year for a lot of us. Thanks, my friend. Listen, Barney McCall, I appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, For listeners, hang on. We'll be right back with our final segment. I'd like to thank Maynard Cooper and Gale PC for being a sponsor of our program. Maynard is a full-service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally who serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to -to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. Crossmock Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. As the largest property tax practice in North America, Ryan's professionals possess the local footprint and knowledge backed by a team with national expertise to help organizations minimize their property tax liabilities and ensure valuations are fair and accurate. With the Florida tax appeal deadlines approaching rapidly, local experts at Ryan work proactively with many jurisdictions across Florida well in advance of the August trim notice mailing to ensure our clients receive maximum tax savings. Guys, I use Ryan, and I hope you will too. Once again, here's John Crossman. Hey, Mike, we're back here. How are you, sir? Hey, I am doing well. Always enjoy hearing Barney. Yeah, listen, a lot of wisdom there. You know, first off, 
malls are complicated. Let's start with that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, it's sort of easy to kind of categorize like that mall's doing great and like what's going on there. Um, and I love the, like his uh, respect for the complexity, but also the hope in it. Like, mm-hmm. hey, there are ways and things to be done. It's not like we're going to, you know, go buy a bunch of malls and they're nothing, just a ghost town. They're just going to evolve into some different things. But it's going to be a lot of team effort to make it successful. You know, I thought his insights about the importance of the mall from a standpoint of all other sectors, like real estate, like maybe home buying and all of that, I thought it was really spot on because I'm thinking of our own experiences. I've seen malls uh, all over the place, everywhere I've ever lived, go through that hard time. And uh, then they look like a shell then they look run down, and then you go, oh, my, what's going to happen to this area? Well, if if community leaders get investing in that, right? Like, so when I made this little story about they, you know, I always talk about, like, in a church setting, I'll tell people, like, think people say, well, they should do something. Well, that they is us, right? That's right. And so it's us. <laughs> it's right. our job. And so when you're living in a community and, like, your mall is struggling, man, like, you need to get on that of what can, what can we as a community do to do that? Because I think that was one of Barney's points is, like, how the mall goes is how a community can be viewed, right? right? And so if you lean in on that and it evolves another level, it can really help tell the story of that community. I love what he said about uh, community colleges coming yeah. in and taking over. And he also mentioned medical. And we saw that in Gainesville where uh, the uh, hospital up there, the uh, the system of medical uh, units with Florida, UF, came in and, and took a good portion of them all up there too. Well, it's funny, you know, um, you've heard me give these speeches about the history of retail and that, you know, from the dawn of man until the 1950s, it worked kind of similarly. And then we had this era where we started putting retail over here and housing over here and education over here. That's not really how we live as society. And the thing I think about is like, you know, if it's a hot day in Orlando and your office is connected to a mall and you're like, you know, I'm just going to go for a little break, clear my head, have a clarity mm-hmm. break. And you get to walk around a mall in the air conditioning or, you know, it's yeah. raining. And, and so you, you have that, you know, for a community college, the same kind of thing. You're in class, you can take a break from your class right. and then again, walk around a mall or walk in a store and shop. Like that all makes sense. Like when you think about it and I think old days, retailers would be like, oh, we don't want a medical use next to us or we don't want this because they all they wanted was other retailers, meaning we want people here that just come here and shop. And that's just not a way people function. And that, right. to, the, to another point Barney made about people being conscious about their time and being efficient with it, right? That's right. It Real, is so true, man. Yeah. Listen, uh, Barney McCall, it was great to hear from him and how he's launching into this new year and in feedback. And I appreciate him plugging on uh, the work I'm doing at HBCUs too. That was a nice thing. That bonus. was a nice thing. Yeah. Yep. Until next time, this is the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. This has been the Crossman Conversation CEO Edition with your host, John Crossman. Tune in next week for another talk with an experienced CEO that will help bring clarity to your business endeavors. The preceding was a Mark Radio production.